Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to show 241 from Engage for Success. I'm Jo Moffat, host for today's um, episode and um, today we're going to be talking about crafting better work or the topic of job crafting and to help us explore that topic um, I'm very pleased to be joined by Rob Baker. Rob is a founder of an organization called Tailored Thinking and crafting better work and job crafting is very much his, his passion so um, I'll be introducing Rob in a moment. Um, for those who don't know me I'm founder and managing director of Woodread and we're a specialist advertising agency who work with clients to help them create high performance cultures by using their brands and the techniques that brand marketeers use with external audiences um, but we apply those on the inside. Um, so to today's topic um, Crafting Better Work. Um, Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, hi, Joe. Thanks very much for having me. I'm a really uh, big fan of the, the series and just the variety and array of uh, podcasts you have on and interviews you have on. So I'm really pleased to be able to contribute in another way and share some well, stories. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's good. It's good to have you. I mean, I, I'm, I have to say, I'm I'm coming at this from a from a position of real ignorance because it's not a topic with which I'm familiar at all. Um, I did put me in mind of making some tortuous puns about German techno bands when you started talking about crafting work, but I decided to avoid that. Um, so I'm going to be depending upon you to um, to sort of bring us all up to speed with with the concepts um, and 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 really to sort of try and help us understand how it can be applied practically. Uh, in the workplace to to help to engage employees and, and and make for a better outcome for everybody. But before we do that, um, a little bit about you, Rob, as our, as our guest. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, uh, thank you. So I kind of by my background, I've always worked in HR. I started life mm-hmm. as a consultant with PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then was did a number of consultancy roles for a while, and then some standalone positions. The mm-hmm. most recent role that I had was took me to Australia, excitingly, the, and I worked in an HR role um, at the University of Melbourne. Right. And it was at the University of Melbourne that I had the opportunity to do a master's in positive psychology, which I, I will talk about in a, in, a, in a second. But for me, in my HR role, what I've always been really interested in is how I've always been curious about how individuals perform at their best, how teams perform effectively, how leaders make a difference to, to their teams around them. I've always been mm-hmm. really curious about that. Um, and that's how I've seen my HR roles in terms of enabling better performance in others. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that the different people come to HR for different reasons and different expertise. But that's always how I've had that kind of deep curiosity. And, and that's what I've seen my, my role as doing. Right. So as, as, as I mentioned, I've, I've always been someone who's looked at research and seeing how you can apply that to practice and take more mm-hmm. of an evidence-based approach in terms of what we can do. And in I think in Australia, I had this opportunity to do this master's in positive psychology, which mm-hmm. is something that really could have spoke to me. So positive psychology looks at posit- how you create positive outcomes, and that can be in a broad variety of themes. That could be life as itself. It's in terms of creating healthy and fulfilling lives. It could be through education in terms of creating environments where students can thrive and flourish and understand their own character strengths and what it is to live a meaningful life. It could mm-hmm. be from a work perspective. It's around how organizations um, thrive and flourish. Now, lots of organizations and lots of uh, people talk around creating environments where um, they have health and happy 
work workforces and healthy and healthy mm-hmm. people. And I'm really mm-hmm. sure that 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 resonates with me. But actually, if you could have scratched under the surface of that, and you you probably know this from from interviews, is that there's lots of variety in practice in in reality in terms of organisations doing that, and maybe not doing it in a really well thought out way. So mm-hmm. through my kind of start studies in the master in positive psychology. I was really interested in saying what, what's the research in this area, what, what's the, kind of, the science around it, and then thinking about are there kind of areas that we could potentially apply to the, to the workplace that maybe aren't being applied at the moment, and that's where I kind of stumbled across this concept of job crafting, and I right. did my focus, my, my, kind of, my dissertation at the time within my master's on, on job crafting, and then subsequently partnered with some academics at the University of Melbourne to do some further research and kind of, grew, mm-hmm. kind of take, take it forward beyond that master's. And since then, I've been really kind of keen and passionate to, 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 to continue to research, but also to practice of this and encourage organisations and people to think about job crafting in their day-to-day lives. Um, okay. So, in April, so, so in April Rob, Rob, came back. Yep. Sorry, can I just, just inter- sorry to interrupt, just to ask you, so... Um, is is job crafting a concept that's originated originated in Australia, or is it just no. just happened that you came across it whilst you were there? It's something that I came across, and I, I, we, I think it'd be really good to talk about some of the where the kind of background of it. Um, and it came from two academics in two thousand and one, uh-huh. so Amy Vinisky and Jane Dutton, who are both kind of really for, formidable academics in organisational behaviour and um, particularly kind of meaning of work. Mm-hmm. And they're actually from Yale and, Mich- and um, Michigan University. But I, so right. in terms of the positive psychology, it was just through my studies of, I was particularly interested in around what enables great work to happen. Mm-hmm. And through this, and, and as you, anyone knows in, in research, you, could have, you, you look at one research paper, then you go into another, and you, and you could have find yourself in a bit of a, a rabbit warren of different research. And it was fantastic, but job crafting could have came out at me because particularly it was something that was encouraging individuals to proactively um, shape their, their approach to work. And I think we should give a de- definition in a second. But it mm-hmm. was something that proactively encouraged individuals to shape their work. It was something that enables people to bring their strengths and their um, capabilities to what they did. And it really asked people to think about what the purpose of their work was. And, and for me, when I look at great work happening, those kind of three factors going to stand out and they, they're, they're linked to um, a lot of motivational theory and other areas so it's around bringing um, competences and, and skills it's around being an autonomy so they were able to shape what they're doing and having an idea of a purpose in terms of what people are doing and, and job crafting um, enables all those all those different aspects okay so is that your definition then or is there a is there a nice snappy definition that we could have. No, so so for me, job crafting is is around is encouraging individuals proactively to shape how they act at work, how they interact with other people, and how they think about the the value of their work. And the, mm-hmm. for me, in terms of that definition, the most important point is that individuals proactively shape it themselves. It can't right. be done on the top down basis. It has to be bottom up, i.e., from the individual, driven by the individual. And right. what I think the power of job crafting is, is that it enables individuals to and bring their strengths, passions, and interests to work, enables people to bring their whole selves to work, um, mm-hmm. and to be make work a bit more human and, and personal. So sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm describing job crafting, I'm, I'm talking about how people can personalise their approach, their approach to work. So it has those three components um, around the task itself, the, mm-hmm. the, the interactions at work, and around how people think about their work. So the the, the 
the, the purpose and value of, of what right. we do. Right. But, but from what you're saying, I mean, I, I totally get um, that, that something like that would need to be bottom up because you, you just by, I think from what you've said, you, you, you need people in their own minds to embrace this and to, to, to actively shape what they're about and use that phrase, you know, bring their whole selves to work. But it, but it must require some leadership influence to create an organization where that's allowable, surely. Uh, um, yes and no, actually, interestingly. So if you, in, if you could have, study and look at what are the optimal environment for people to job craft to actually shape their approach to work it definitely mm. is a place where the leader their leaders their managers um enable individuals to to craft they have those conversations with people, what do you enjoy what do you want to do more of what are you skilled at what would you love to do how can we change and shape the role for you to make it more meaningful and enjoyable if that if that those options are available but but so, so it certainly makes a difference there. If you find mm. that in, in situations where managers stamp it out, and actually if you interview individuals, and this, they have, people have done this, then you find that people do an element of job crafting anyway, but they maybe do it surreptitiously. Right. And they do it, um, they do it un, not within plain sight, as it were. So they may, may proactively shape their, how they do a certain, certain task, um, okay. the order of tasks. And so you find that people do it anyway, but they don't do it necessarily within the, in the discussion of their manager. Right, um, right. And I think one okay. of the benefits of doing job crafting in plain sight, as it were, is the fact that the managers can, can have that conversation or the leaders can have a conversation with, with, with the people about saying, what do they want to shape and encourage them to, to do so. Mm -hmm. I think more and more so within workplaces, our jobs are changing. And so we really need to think about encouraging individuals to embrace that change by, by asking them what, what do they want to change about their, their jobs if, mm -hmm. they, you know, if they can Mm -hmm. So there's a sort of, on the one hand, you've got overt job crafting, and on the other, you've got covert job crafting, really. Yeah, I love that. I haven't, haven't seen it written down quite that way, but yeah, covert crafting. And Amy Wisniewski, who's the, say, one of the, the, the person who coined this term in 2001, has, was very much, when she, when she started um, interviewing people around job crafting behaviours, she, she did find this, this covert, as you say, job crafting mm -hmm. going, going on. But what okay. was really interesting for me was that the... There was a, co a strong correlation between people who did proactively job craft, either mm -hmm. overtly or covertly, as it were, and a number of positive outcomes, such as those individuals tended to be um, more resilient, they tended to enjoy their work, and they tended to be rated at performing better in their work, but on a, mm -hmm. um, when when rated by their peers. So you couldn't right. say it's not cause. You couldn't say it's causal. But you can say there's that strong association between those individuals that actively really think about how they um, they want to shape their tasks and show up at work each day and some mm. on those positive outcomes. Mm. And and um, and I guess it also if somebody's got the capability, the in, inherent capability within themselves to take responsibility for their own job crafting, that must make them must make them transfer, must give them sort of transferable skills, which enable them to go to other organizations and adapt and um, become, they're sort of more of a kind of whole person, if you like, that can move from job to job and which, which perhaps given the way the world of work is changing and the fact that we are, everyone tells us we're going to have shorter timescales with different employers or have portfolio careers and a little bit of hustle on the side, um, means that we're better able to 
cope with that and have and maximize the value of that for ourselves or am i extrapolating that too far do you think i i think it's a really interesting question and if i'm honest i don't think that's necessarily been 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 studied i do certainly know from the individuals that i've spoken to that have a kind of history of job crafting either they either knew about the they either doing it deliberately and they've done it through say workshops that i've done or subsequently through interviews that I've, I've read or I've had with individuals where I said, have you done job crafting? And once you, they understand what it is, they will, I have been doing this all my life. Mm. Certainly those individuals tend to recognize what they're, they, they're good at, what their strengths are. They recognize what they enjoy doing. And they also ha- take the time to reflect on how they show up at work each day and how they do their tasks. And certainly mm. I think in terms of the, having the opportunity to be more adaptable would certainly support someone in, in, moving from one career to another the other thing you find within job crafting is that those individuals who have job crafted tend again there's an association between those that that do it and having um high levels of of promotion within internally or externally within organizations so these individuals tend to be a bit more um proactive in terms of um finding opportunities that Mm -hmm. potentially would, would progress their career and again that's one of the reasons that i'm interested in sharing stories with individuals about how they can do more of it is because actually I think it it's something that could benefit everyone and not right. everyone necessarily is for whatever reason feels that they're able to do it so that may okay. be something that's stopping them but it may be their manager stopping them it may be a personal issue it may be something they haven't thought about but I want to kind of create I think put it in plain sight and saying this is something that's potentially available for everyone well, is available for everyone everyone can do it and this is how they can potentially do it and maybe then have some of the benefits that you've alluded to Joe, else, you know, earlier, rather than it being just those individuals who do it by themselves anyway, who are a bit more, yeah. maybe more a bit more independent. So that's one of the that's one of the benefits of of people kind of understanding, exploring this concept for themselves. Okay. So, um, do you practice it? Do you practice what you preach, Rob? Do you apply it to yourself? Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's really interesting. Once, so once I could, the first thing I did once I came across because of job crafting and thought, do I, you know, what what is this? I could have looked back at my, my career and my opportunities and, and thought, do, do I describe myself as, a, as an active job crafter? And there's also questionnaires that, that I've developed and that are also available through kind of academics that I've, I've, I've worked, been fortunate enough to work with. So I've got a, I, would, I, I, I do uh, come out quite high in, in terms of job crafting. And the mm-hmm. way that I describe it in my career is around um, seeking opportunities to get involved in, in projects and initiatives that interest me, so particularly around well-being, um, around change and doing change change well in terms of supporting organisations. They're things that I've always been particularly interested in. Doing the Masters itself, in a way, is a part of job crafting and the fact that no one was forcing me to do this. It was just something that, independently, I really wanted to do. So, again, that could be an element of, of job crafting in, in, in of itself. Right, Probably the right. that I'm not so good at in terms of job crafting, if I'm honest is around um, stopping doing things and saying no to things. So job crafting could obviously be adding tasks and introducing new things to, to how you're working, but it mm. can also be stopping things and doing things in a different way. And I'm probably, it's easier if when you, when you speak to people about their job crafting behaviours, people tend to do more things and pick things up rather than stop doing things or delegate things. And that's probably a, a personal weakness that I had. But we had... Um, Recently, one of the kind of workshops I ran with a with a large uh, bank in the in the UK, one of the the senior leaders there was saying actually this was a prompt for them to think about 
how they delegated their work and they, they were basically holding on to some tasks because they enjoyed doing them, which in of itself wasn't a bad thing, but they realized that also other people in their team may enjoy some of these projects and having that op these opportunities. And so mm -hmm. actually they were saying this, this was a prompt for them to, to, to do something differently and actually stop doing some of those, some of those tasks. And so um, that's my, that's my, my job crafting weakness as it were, um, right. if I have, if I have one. Yeah. Oh, well, well, I, I'm really rubbish at saying no to people about anything. I'll just, you know, add it to the list. So, yeah, I think it's quite a it's quite a common failing, isn't it, really? So, um, so tell, perhaps it would be helpful to if, ask you if you could just talk us through a little some practical examples of what this, you know, what this looks like in practice, Rob. Yeah, sure. So let's go through each of the three different steps. So we talked about task crafting, relational crafting and cognitive crafting or purpose crafting. So, because task crafting is physical changes to the job, so it could be redesigning tasks or adding or removing tasks or emphasizing certain tasks that, that individuals do. So, in um, from one of the workshops that I've, got a, I've run with individuals, and this was in, actually in Australia when I was first testing it out, we had um, individuals who came from the IT call center, and one of the individuals there indicated that he one of the things that he was a deep passion on was testing new software before they went live it was for whatever reason he loved getting one over on microsoft or apple or whomever it was they were, they were using and it's just something he just he just loved finding bugs and things right. and over time his manager actually recognized him this was actually a skill and something he was interested in and so the individual had the conversation with his manager saying look i'd love to do more of this if there are opportunities and although it wasn't necessarily part of his specific role what he through his discussion with his manager saying actually I'm going to put you as a super tester within the, the kind of the, the environment he worked and some kind of opportunities to test will come his way it didn't transform his job so it was only maybe one day a month he did it maybe not one whole day each month but just it drip fed over that month of time but it was something an example there where his manager listened and understood what he was good at and the individual had the opportunity to have that recognized within the workplace and he got to do something he enjoyed doing occasionally so that was an example there yes. um, so in terms of removing tasks or saying you get you get less of these like even i've given the example of um, a senior manager delegating and um, we also had a nice example where in a, in a small group of relatively junior employees where they they used to share the agenda it used to be they used to meet once a month and they used to just take it in turns amongst themselves to do the agenda and one of them, after these, these, these sessions, plucked up the courage and said, look, I really, really hate doing the agenda and writing the minutes and doing the action plans. It's just not something that I love doing. And yet there are certain people in that group who love doing those kind of things. And I'm certainly one, if, I, if people don't write actions up for meetings, I get a bit itchy myself. So I'd be kind of <laughs> someone who's really important for that to happen. But from this example, they were saying, no, actually, can, look, can we just reallocate this and who actually wants to do it great who and then can I do something else and this individual I think organized some team outings or some team, team more social activities which she was interested in so that, again mm -hmm. that's a really small example but just someone just I think very often we just float through work doing what we're expected to do without necessarily sometimes just gently challenging it yeah. and, and she felt really chuffed that she had the confidence and courage to do it and there was no problem. Everyone said, yeah, of course, but no one had ever asked before. Um, and then in terms of emphasizing, the last thing in terms of task crafting could be emphasizing certain tasks. So it could just be creating more opportunities to do certain things. So one of the examples that kind of jumps to, to, to my mind is that um, we have a manager who was saying that it's really important for them that they had some contact with their team. 
but more and more they're getting busier and busier and they had less and less time to to actually kind of make that connect personal connection as much as they'd like to so what they did is they set themselves a really small goal of once a day they were rather than sending an email they were going to pick up the phone or even possible go round to someone's desk and have a conversation about something an issue that they would normally send an email to right and that person then said if they weren't there that's fine they'd send the email anyway but what just the habit and the action of doing it resonated with that manager because it was something that they felt was important to them and they wanted mm-hmm. to kind of demonstrate those actions and so that okay. was an example where they emphasized that activity day to day okay i'd, li- I'd like to move on yeah that, that's yeah. great i'd like can we move on um to the relational crafting um hmm. briefly and then 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 briefly talk about the purpose um crafting sure um so, yeah, sure. So some examples here, some kind of big or, big or small ones in terms of relational crafting. So in some instances, we've, we've had with individuals who want to kind of reframe their, how they think about certain interactions at work. So we, you, we, you, I'm personally someone who's quite, comes up with quite kind of new ideas for things. Mm-hmm. I'm quite creative, but I've been in situations where I've worked with people in meetings whom, for whatever reason, they're great at finding reasons not to do something, shooting things down. Yeah, and that can get frustrating. And I've worked with people where they said they've they've come across these kind of scenarios, and they used to get really annoyed with this. They would kind of leave a meeting going, "Oh, I wish how does that person not get what I'm saying?" You know, and yeah. moan about it when they get home, and just be frustrated. And yet, through the kind of task, so through through job crafting, you can think, "Okay, can I reframe this relationship? Re- reframe this." So actually, what's that person's strength? What are they doing? And it may be that person's really good at being prudent. It may be they're really good at being risk of you know protecting the organization and protecting other people and that's mm-hmm. what they're doing rather than necessarily shooting down ideas and so mm-hmm. if you reframe that when you go to that meeting you're expecting that individual to to to, to come up with some great ideas or why something wouldn't work if you're right. expecting it it doesn't sideswipe you it doesn't annoy you and it's kind of something you're expecting so this an individual said they they went through this kind of exercise it happened they kind of almost laugh when it did happen because they prepared for it to happen and then right. they just kind of got on with things. And they'd also prepared better arguments in advance because they knew this other person was going to object. So really small example, mm-hmm. but it's just mm. just reframing it. Another okay. tiny example there was that someone has, was new to a team. And what was important to them is that they felt a sense of collegiality amongst their team members. And they knew who they were and they people knew her. So she set herself a mini month-long goal of finding something new about a new member of staff each day for an entire month. So that could just be bumping into someone on the way to the toilet or the, you know, going for coffee or whatever. But she mm-hmm. wanted to try and find secretly some more information about someone else because it made her feel closer to, to, to the team and made those deeper connections. And then, right. So that's relational. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, lovely. And then, and then just quickly talk about purpose crafting and, um, yeah, sure. and then uh, what, what that actually means in practice, if you would, Rob. So purpose crafting or mindset kind of crafting, it's around bringing, making the, the purpose of what you're doing closer to you. So one of the, be- the best examples I've had of this, uh, which I thought was just fantastic, was an individual who worked in a call centre and they put a diary on their, the seat of their car every morning and then went to, went, to, went to work. And for them, the reason they did this job crafting was that having a sense of purpose of what they did was really important. Mm-hmm. When they left in the evening, they... Rather than before they could have drove off, they opened their diary and they wrote down what their best customer experience was that day, who they helped most. And after a month when we kind of got caught up again, she had 20 different stories of great customers she'd had. 
And she said the value of that is it made it closer to, to her to actually realizing what the great things she's doing at work. She was making a difference, but it also put her in a positive frame of mind when she was right. Um, oh, interesting. One more. And then one yeah. more, just a very simple one, was that um, very different, but there was a library manager. And she, what she, she did to, for, the, for the team is, um, this was in university, is that she brought different customers to come in um, once a quarter to actually be interviewed in a bit of a fishbowl exercise with, the, with staff. So they could yeah. actually speak, hear from customers face-to-face about what they valued from the library and how it made a difference to their careers. And that could be students, that could be researchers, that could be people coming in from outside of the university. And it really made a difference to that leader, also the teams, they talked about it after those meetings, actually saying, actually, no, they could recognise the difference they're making. Yes, yeah. It's fascinating, actually, because certainly one of the one of the things that I come across a lot, is, and, and obviously purpose, is that we all know, you know, having a clear purpose is, is a key part of engaging your workforce. It's one of the first enablers, of, part of the first enabler of engagement success in terms of being able to tell your strategic narrative to the organisation so people know you know, why they're getting out of bed in the morning. And it's so, so frequently I have, have people talk to me about how they're, they're, they feel that they've lost sight of the purpose of the organisation. You know, if you're working in the back office mm. of the IT department, how do you actually connect with the customer? If indeed, you know, the customer is the person that, that really matters to that particular organisation. And actually, you know, we are we're becoming, because our jobs are so specialist and, and organisations are quite, large um, we, we are that far we're so far removed I think aren't we from sometimes from from the purpose so that example you talked about of the diary in the car with somebody in the call center is a great way of just helping her to reconnect with with why she's there and what she's actually doing on a day-to-day basis um, really interesting so how how um, I mean one of the questions I was going to ask you um, was what you're talking about is very much people taking control of their own individual work life and their own the way they work and and, and clearly that sort of underpins it um i was going to ask you whether that sort of suits some sectors better than others because i can understand how this could work in a sector where um individuality and creativity um is is a positive but if you're working in an organization of you know say you're in a call center with four thousand other people on the phones and actually the the structure of that company is actually about replicable process and replicable response and everybody doing the same thing um it must be very difficult to apply this kind of thinking but i've kind of shot that question totally in the foot with your example there with your your girl in the in the call center and her diary so You've you've kind of already you've preempted that for me, haven't you? Really? I can just, and I'm conscious of the the time we've got left, but really, really quickly, is that I'm surprised by people. I think I had expectations when I was doing this work that certain groups would suit more than others. And what you find is that you just need to work with them to be creative themselves, and they do generate different ideas. What you found though with call centre staff is that their task crafting examples and the opportunities they did didn't increase as much as it would do say from um, change leaders who I do some work with, we mm-hmm. have much more latitude in their job. So you tend to find they did more of that kind of task crafting when you measure them a month later um, relative to say the call center staff. But the call center staff maybe did more cognitive and purpose crafting because that's what they could do. And right. these people just find those opportunities. And I think sometimes, and I was, I was ignorant of this as well, in the fact that you can do it, you just need to maybe get creative. Mm, interesting. So you can play tunes on the way you either dial up or dial down different 
different aspects of it according to the nature of the organization you're working in or the kind of roles that you've got so how can listeners find out more rob it sounds fascinating Oh, thank you. So there's some really good resources. That if people start Googling job crafting, you'll find some, some, some things. I've created mm-hmm. some on my website. So if they go to tailoredthinking.co.uk and you'll mm-hmm. follow the job crafting link, there's um, some resource sections that I've, I've got. So that links to some, some great videos and some papers that, that have covered this as a, as a concept. And I've also linked into the Engage for Success, where I wrote a, a, a small... Um, item for yourself about what, what is job crafting and some small examples. So there, there may be a couple of places to, to start. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week. I feel I know a lot more than I did 30 minutes ago, that's for sure. Um, I'm going to uh, say thank you now. Thank you to you, Rob. Um, and we're going to close out um, with a little bit of a shameless plug for um, our Engage for Success conference, which is only um, just over four weeks away. So um, I'll, I'll say goodbye to you and um, we'll just remind each other what the conference is all about and some of the great um, speakers that we've got lined up. And it's not too late to get tickets at engageforsuccess.org forward slash 2018 conference. So I'll over to um, a word from our founder, as they say, David McLeod. And thank you, Rob, for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Putting people at the heart of business is absolutely what we've got to do. What we're really looking for is that people are uh, agile, with a good sense of well-being, uh, that they're offering their full capabilities and potential so that organisations can give fabulous service to the citizen or the customer, they can innovate, uh, they can open up new markets, they can be more efficient in what we do. At one conference, we've got leading edge thinkers who are developing the themes and the ideas are going to take this whole topic forward. You've got Matthew Taylor, uh, who developed the Good Work report for government. Uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the Be the Business, the productivity push that's central to our country. Uh, we've got Neil Carberry coming from the CBI, who's going to talk about everyone's business and how the reputation of business has to be enhanced through the trust, which is engendered by treating people well. And there's a whole series of practical inputs as well. We've got Sir Eric Peacock who's a doyen of the SME market, who literally machine guns ideas, practical ideas at what to do. We've got uh, Anna, the chairman and the chief executive of the Absolute Company, a worldwide basis, coming from Sweden. We've got Paula talking about transforming the post office through a sea of changes, uh, how she's engaged people. We've got uh, Justine, who's launched Mumsnet. What a huge success that is, right at the heart of social media, talking about the successes created and how we balance our lives so we'd be successful both at home and at, uh, uh, and at work. So we've got practical ideas from a whole range of different parts of the economy, a case study from the public sector as well, and we've got leading-edge thinkers. So do come. It'll be a day really well spent, and we'd love to see you there. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.